Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have each of you with us. This month, we have been looking at the subject of communication. That is the key aspect in all relationships, including God's relationship with us and our relationship with him. And so in our first segment, we talked about how God communicates with us, and he chooses the avenue of words, powerful words, to communicate his will. In our second segment, we talked about communication within the church, and how through prayer and encouragement we can be a great help to one another. Then last time we were talking about communicating through disagreements, and that is an aspect of life and how as disciples when disagreements come about, how we need to handle those. And so part four of this segment, we want to tackle another tough topic, and that's talking to teens. And uh, I think beyond the terrible twos, the teen years can be the most stressful for parents. And so we want to just walk through some things and and kind of look at some things. I'm reminded of a passage in Psalms 37, verse 26, where the psalmist says, I've been young and now I am old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. That is the advantage of parents. We've been young and now we're old. And our teens have been young, but they can't say they've been old. And so so we have an advantage. We have a, a vested interest in them to help them and to guide them. When we think about the subject of communication, oftentimes the thought that comes to our mind is me talking to you. But communication is a two-way street. And so part of that is listening. And I think one of the things I hear a lot from teens these days is that mom and dad do not understand me, mom and dad do not listen, and and there may be some truth in that. And so as we walk through this segment today, we hope it's helpful for your home. We hope it helps get things better as we think about the idea of talking to teens. There are a number of young people in the Bible. We don't read as far as I can tell the word teen or teenager in the Bible. There are some who are simply described as young, and we might talk about a few of those over the next few minutes. But I do think it is really a powerful thing to recognize that these great examples in the Bible don't always have gray hair. They don't always have a a ton of experience in life. God can use young and old. Old need young. Young need old. We all need to listen, uh, Rogers, you've already brought up, and be ready to communicate as God would have us to. But I, I do think it is an enormous blessing that we shouldn't take for granted. Wherever you are in life, there are not just commandments and instructions and prohibitions and boundaries, but there are examples. Some of them negative, obviously. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. But a wealth of positive examples. And like I said, we may tackle a few of those here in just a moment. But Roger, if you had the opportunity to sit down over coffee or lemonade or whatever it is and just really try and get a teenager to think in the right direction, teenage life the way it was meant to be, 
what sort of things bubble to the surface as really important? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of the teens, I think this is true of my life, we have what I used to call the shopping mall syndrome. And, you know, the, the idea of the mega malls are kind of going away today. But back in the days when we had malls, you'd walk in some entrance and there was a directory. There's, there, there's a layout of the mall and all the stores. And it used to be an arrow or an X, you are here. And generally where you are is not where you want to be. I, I want to find the store on the other side. And, and, and that's typical of a lot of young people. Well, here I am. I'm in school. I'm in college. I, I'm just starting off. It's not where I want to be. And, and so we're, we're always thinking down the road. We're always thinking in the future. And it's like I just got to get through this period until I get to where I really need to be. But what they fail to realize, and what I would tell this young teen is, right now, where you are today, you can make a great impact in the kingdom and for the Lord. And 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 that's just speaking all through our Bibles. I mean, uh, there was the mighty Israel army led by King Saul, and they were shaking in their boots when Goliath and the Philistines stood there. But it was a young David, likely a teenager, that took down that giant through the hands of God. There's young Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody was bowing down at the king Nebuchadnezzar's command, but they stood. They didn't have mom and dad behind them saying, hey, now remember what you learned in Bible class. They were by themselves. There's Moses when uh, he rejected the king's edict as his mom and dad had done a similar thing. And so so all through our Bible, we see these powerful examples of of young people. I would also tell a young person today that the habits you're you're getting involved in, they can be with you the rest of your life. And that's that's good and bad. You get in the habit of making excuses and lying to get out of things you ought to be doing, that can stay with you the rest of your life. There's some behavioral habits, such as uh, smoking and drinking. Uh, you don't find people my age taking up smoking. Uh, people my age are dying from smoking, okay? <laughs> when, and, and you get some guy who's been smoking all his life. When did he start? When he was real young. And so those habits can stay with you a long time. But the positive side of that, you get in the habit of worshiping God from your heart, whether you're in a church building or you're alone. That's powerful. You get in the habit of starting the day by reading the Bible or you're starting the habit of being a servant and, and seeing what, what can I do? Here's somebody in the congregation and I can go rake their leaves or here's somebody I can, I can open the door for them. I, I can do something. You start that as a young person and that carries with you the rest of your life. What a powerful, powerful servant of Christ you're going to be. Yeah. I like that idea. The last couple of things you said there. Um, it seems like a lot of times teens need shepherding. We we all need shepherding in a wide variety of ways, but in order to get the gears turning, maybe in order to get up and apply myself, I need someone a lot of times when I'm young to step up and say, you know what, this is a need that I'm aware of. It's a Saturday. I know there are other things that we hope to accomplish later today, but let's get up and go help on this front. When we think of talking to teens, maybe one of the most practical areas that we can begin thinking of is 
making sure we present those opportunities to them. We talk about them in a positive light. We don't just tell them, hey, you know, enjoy the afternoon. I'm off to help so-and-so in their yard or their garage or, or this widow take care of this thing around her house. I'll see you later this evening. No, it's there's this need I'm aware of. Why don't you come with me? Let's get this knocked out together. If we work together, we'll save a little bit of time. And afterwards, we'll do X or Y or Z. Talking to teens optimistically about opportunities, I think, is a great practical it thing. It is. It is. You know, and I, I had one daughter and three boys, and those those boys will tell you to this day, I drug them everywhere. I mean, we, <laughs> we were picking up sticks. We were cleaning out garages. We were pulling carpet. We, we did so many things, cleaning church buildings. And it's like, come on, guys, we're going to do this. Yeah. And and sometimes they'd grumble, sometimes I'd grumble. But but when you got done, it, it, you realize you helped somebody out. It was a good task. Sometimes you're worn out, you're dirty, but you've done something good. And I'm proud to say to this day that they all do the same thing still. Yeah. They they've just carried through that idea, and they realize it's not about me. What can I do to help others? So what you did, you, you got worn out, you got dirty. But you also were working on their hearts. Uh, this was about more than just, you know, cleaning out church buildings, cleaning out garages. This is heart work, right? And when I think of talking to teens, one of the passages that just always leaps to my mind, I would love it if every teen or parent or grandparent of teens, uh, someone who eventually hopes to have teens, if you remember one verse as far as I'm concerned, hard to beat, 2 Peter 2.22. There are several things there. It's easy to remember, 2.22 of Timothy, but it ends with a pure heart. You're doing heart work when you get up off of the couch. You're, you're doing heart work when you get past those initial grumbles. And we'll maybe talk here in a few minutes about a couple of the other things that are drawn out from passages like 2 Timothy 2.22. But communicating to our teenagers, you have a heart a heart that needs to be applied, a heart that needs to be trained and focused. Uh, That word pure in pure heart, of course it involves things that I'm not going to allow into my heart, things that I'm going to filter out of my heart, but it also means a focused heart, an undiluted, undivided sort of heart. You've got a heart that belongs to God Part of growing up is to figure out how to get that heart in focus with the way God would want you to live. You know, as the book of Proverbs unfolds, the first six chapters, just over and over, is instructions from a parent, or particularly a father, to his child. Proverbs 1, verse 8, hear, my son, your father's instruction. Chapter 2, verse 1, my son, if you'll receive my words— Chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching. Chapter 4, hear, O sons, the instructions of a father. And so so this would be, number one, a great place for mom and dad and their teen just to walk through those passages mm. and, and to build upon the instructions. Dad had learned some things. Sometimes he learns them the hard way. But now he's teaching his son. 
There's no need for the son to make the same mistakes dad made because dad now speaking from wisdom, particularly in chapter three, in the first six or seven verses, there's some powerful statements that come out. He says, once again, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. He says in verse three, do not let kindness and truth leave you. And, and, and again, you think about a small child, how a small child will, if you say, hey, can you, can you go pick up that pencil and bring it to me? Man, he just runs and do that. <laughs> can, can you say you're sorry? He'll say, I'm sorry. Uh, little children are kind. But as you get older, don't let kindness leave you. Let, let that be part of your character. Be one who's thankful. Be one who respects people older than you and, and speak that kindness to them. He would say in verse 5 of Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, God's there. And, and even though you may be by yourself sometimes, God is there. He would, he would say in verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In your mind, in your body, in your job, in your school, acknowledge that God is your God. And then he says in verse 7, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I mean, these are just great statements, I think, that would help a mom and dad and their teens just to sit down and walk through these. And what do these things look like today? And, and what can we do to put some application to these things in our everyday lives with that? Yeah, I love the the reading assignment of those first few chapters of Proverbs. If we return back to that Second Timothy 2.22, that's kind of the, the Cliff Notes version of those few chapters, right? Where Paul teaches Timothy, there are certain things you got to flee from. Certainly, Proverbs chapter 7 and and uh, a little beyond, chapter 6 and 7 and a little beyond, talk about fleeing youthful passions, right? But part of growing up to be the person that God would have us to be is not just running from, but running towards certain things, right? And so the way Paul puts it in 2 Timothy 2.22 is pursue... That's certainly a word that we can apply to the teenage years in a wide variety of ways. We're pursuing grades. We're pursuing maybe girls or guys, depending on who we are. We're pursuing a job. We're pursuing future after high school. But more important than any of that, more important than pursuing a football on the football field on Friday nights is pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those. You're not alone, right? You're surrounded by other people who know and love God, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It it sure does sound like a lot of the things both of us are saying, Roger. It's really exactly what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. Even though you're young, this is a time to begin setting an example. You you brought up the the kind heart of a child, and in our culture, I'm afraid a lot of times we expect teenagers to be grumpy. We expect teenagers to be rude and self centered. I don't know exactly how old Timothy was. I know he's young, and Paul tells him, "Listen, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity." set the right example. There's a, there's another great Timothy uh, example, and that takes place when Paul first meets him in Acts 18. 
And Timothy already had been spoken well by the brethren. So already he was doing things, and he was already a servant. And as the apostle comes to town, he wants to take Timothy with him. Uh, that's, that's profound. Uh, and, and to think that he had the qualities and the character about him that this apostle thought that he's going to be useful with me out in the kingdom. And again, that's, that's some things, uh, I think it's very important to see. Now there's a dark side I just want to mention. And, and I think when we, when we have this subject of talking to teens, it's only fair to mention this. And that is there's a, there's a high suicide rate among teens. And, you know, there's there's layers and layers of reasons from that, from mental illness to dysfunction in the home and all kinds of things like that. We we can't solve all the social ills here in just our short podcast here. But but I think among the people of God, there's some certain things that mom and dad owe their children, and, and I think one of them is to let them know that they're loved and they're appreciated. They need to hear that. And sometimes we dads have a hard time doing that. You know, we, maybe, maybe we grew up when our dads didn't say very much to us, we love you. Well, you know, get over it. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing I say is just get over it. Uh, your kids need to see that. Uh, the number one reason uh, psychologists tell us why young men join street gangs, it's not because they like to commit crime and break mailboxes in the middle of the night. They want somebody to accept them. And they be accepted in the gang. Well, we need that acceptance in the home. And, and so it begins coming down from mom and dad toward the teens. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I, I saw this in my own house is that the, the, there was a moment when, you know, it seems like my kids were just constantly doing things that irritated me. And, and it's like, I was just on them about this, on them about that. On, and, and then it just struck me one day, one day I'm going to be gone. And they're going to be gathered at my funeral, and they're going to be telling stories. And all they're going to talk about is, Dad was always on our back. And that really struck me and made me realize they need to hear compliments. They need to hear, I'm proud of you. They need to, they need to hear some praise. And so from mom and dad, that's something we owe our kids. And, and again, when it's missing, they'll find it somewhere, but where they find it may not be a good place to find. Yeah, I mean, leaning on that example of Paul and Timothy, the beginning of those letters, a whole lot of it revolves around Paul telling Timothy how he feels about him. And that is something so easily overlooked in our homes, our family relationships. Maybe we we excel at sharing, uh, you know, in our workplace, in our community, in the context of the local church family. You know, I appreciate you. I noticed this about you. I, I was encouraged by this that I saw or heard from you. But then we go home and we're not as deliberate in communicating that appreciation and love and encouragement. I think it's such a, a an important note to be reminded of. And circling back to one of those earliest things you said, Roger, the importance of listening. I don't know exactly how Paul had come to know about it, but you read First and Second Timothy, and it becomes very clear. Paul is aware of the fact that Timothy's maybe a little discouraged. He's a little uncertain, maybe a little scared about the future. And it is not that, well, you know, listen, I, I'm really busy and Timothy, this is important work. And so we just need to get over this. And I'm, I'm just going to act like I, I don't even hear those concerns of your heart. 
He's building Timothy up as a spiritual father figure, but he's also aware of what Timothy is feeling and experiencing and anxieties about the future. He doesn't make fun of him for that. He doesn't put him down. He doesn't ignore it. He uses the gospel to fill Timothy up, to challenge him, and to communicate, I believe in you. We can do this together. It's powerful. It is. It's extremely powerful. And and again, that idea of acceptance and the idea that you are valued right now who you are, that, that's something that just needs to be expressed and needs to be understood. I think another lesson parents need to pass on to their, to their teens is that the Lord is always near. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of times when they're going to be by themselves. Uh, you as a parent can't be there for whatever reason, but the Lord is there. And so, so when, when you look at passages like Psalms 23, verse 4, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Uh, David understood when he stood before Goliath that God was with him. And so, you know, there are going to be situations where your teen just needs to remember that, that God is near, and God is always there to listen to them. God is always there to help them. And again, we just numerous Bible verses can be built upon that, but that's something that they need to hear. And when they get ready to go off driving, that's a scary moment for parents. The first time that kid goes out driving by himself, okay, God is with you. God is with you. And and they may face some uh, challenging times in school, but God is near. And, and that's just something that will help them, I think, to get through the day as they work with those things. Yeah, not just telling that to them, but talking like that just in their presence, right? This this is what the Lord has done. This is the day that the Lord has given us. I'm thankful to God that we're able to enjoy this opportunity. Talking about God as if he is real and a present source of comfort and encouragement. It's not just you know, you remember God's with you uh, when they turn 16 or 17 or 18, but making that a way of life, even if we're not talking directly to them about that, if we talk like that, we really are speaking directly to their hearts as well. And then I would, I would include and just remind them that they can do great things for the Lord right now where mm-hmm. they are. Now, the situations in a lot of congregations may prohibit the uh, young people from doing active things in worship. But there's a lot, a lot of things behind the scenes, a lot of things that go on you know, Saturdays, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that, that they can be involved in. And whether it's helping somebody physically, whether it's writing a card or just sending a text to somebody, there's so many things that they can do right now. And that, that helps them realize that they play a part. And it's not just, okay, you know, the church doesn't need me until I'm older, I'm married, and I have my own kids. Until then, I just, I just vegetate. No. No, right now, uh, get some get some fellow teens in your house and have a Bible study. They can do that, and and so so many great things are available to them. And parents can be that part. They they can be the catalyst to encourage that and to make opportunities for those things and to get them to see that even right now there's things you can do for the Lord. And that that's just some great great helps there. You know it. What I'm going to take away from this conversation is 
I as a dad, I as an older brother in Christ, I just need to be thinking along these lines. Um, it, it, it speaks to me being deliberate in the way that I talk with teens, not just about, okay, what are we going to eat tonight? What do you want to do this weekend? We've got this to take care of this Saturday. But, uh, you know, as a dad, uh, what I have found helpful, it is so easy in the middle of a busy day to fill that drive home with more noise, more things that just keep my mind turning real, real, real fast and in a million different directions. Maybe that drive home is a good moment to spend a little bit of quiet time thinking, even praying to my Father in heaven about the incredible opportunity that I have right now as a dad with a couple of teens at home to make sure that as I go into that house, they're getting the best of my attention. Yes, I, I there were a variety of important things that I did as far as work throughout the day, but... This maybe is the most important work of all as I walk into that house and have the opportunity to talk to these teens. If we're not deliberate, those opportunities pass so very quickly and they can be so easily wasted. And so uh, one other thought I'll share, then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Maybe you're in a position like I am. I don't have teens in my home anymore. But there can be somebody out there that you can be the Apostle Paul to. Mm-hmm. You, you can befriend them. I, I think years ago, this young man in the congregation where I was preaching, uh, he was just uh, eight years old when I first met him. And I kind of watched him grow up, and I kind of befriended him. And he and I did lots of things together. I saw him get get more serious. I actually baptized him, and I saw him just light the fire for the Lord. He asked me to do his wedding. Today he's preaching, preaching full-time, just doing a marvelous job. And whenever we're together, he always refers to me as as I'm Paul and he's Timothy, but but it just started off with a friendship, and and that's what that's why I would encourage all of our older listeners to think about. You know, your kids may be grown, maybe you never had kids, but you can be that one person that that grabs on the one young person, and you just spend some time with them, and you encourage them, and you help them, and you be there to answer their questions, and you kind of set them the the right direction they need to go, and you'll be surprised what great great things can come from that. Yeah, that's kingdom work. Kingdom work doesn't just happen in church buildings. Roger, I appreciate you helping to remind all of us of those important truths. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.